Thank you, Lord, for this new year. Father, thank you for every soul represented in this room. Thank you for every ministry, every ministry of helps, every individual who is a partner, a supporter, a business person, a voice in this community. I thank you, Father, for each one of the lives represented here. Father, I thank you. Let my words reflect your heart. May our ears hear what you would have spoken to us today. May we see the things you desire for us to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's interesting as we begin 2020. Um, we've been coming here to Word of uh, Life for how many years? 30, 25 years maybe. I don't know if it's 30 years yet, but it's been a lot of years. And uh, for those of you that don't know who we are, um, this church has been a partner of our global ministry. We have had the privilege in the last, my husband and I together in the last 30 years of ministering in 65 nations. And we have a number of different projects. And what I wanted to cover today is something that the Lord put in my heart and I think it will impact you. I know that I was told that many of you are in the ministry of helps that are in the morning service because you have to serve in the second service. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> you, may all be on, you may all be in Israel right now. But what I wanted to share was, I'll begin with 1 Thessalonians 5. I'm going to read to you a passage, verses 12 through uh, 21. It says, we beseech you, brethren, to know them, and I'm reading to you today from the King James Version, which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Don't you esteem your pastors and your leaders, you know? Aren't they precious people? They've been precious to our ministry, and to many of our leaders across Eurasia as well. <laughs> and it says, be at peace among, and to esteem them very highly in their love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men or all people. See that no one render evil for evil or unto any person, but everyone follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Re now here's where I want to focus. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And verses 19 and 20, quench not the spirit and despise not prophesyings. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good and abstain from all appearance of evil. What I really want to focus in on is verses 19 and 20. But as you see, both of those are in the context of a greater passage that is so important for us as a church, as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ to understand what we are to do. That we should know those who labor among us. We know the one who is over us. We know those whom we work with. We understand what manner in which we conduct ourselves. But yet at the same time, we want to be very aware not to ever quench the spirit. 
But I find it interesting that verses 19 and verse 20 go right together because it's as if the scripture is telling us, quench not the spirit by not despising the prophecies that have gone before you or the prophesyings that have happened before you. Some translations say it this way. The contemporary, I like to read these two together. The New King James Version says, do not despise prophecies. And the contemporary English version says, or ignore prophecies. In New International Version says, or do not treat prophecies with contempt. The Darby Bible translation says, do not lightly esteem prophecies. Now, what in, that world, what in the world could that mean for each one of us? Well, when I look at 2020, I get excited because, you know, in American culture, 2020, we've heard everybody talking about it means what? Perfect vision. You know, I used to have 2010. You know, I still have Hawkeyes. <laughs> but, but 2020, spiritual Hawkeyes and natural Hawkeyes in the name of Jesus. 2020 means perfect vision. And if you understand, I, I don't ever really study numerology in detail, but in essence, 20 years essentially means the completion. Let me find it. I've got it written down right here. The full cycle of completeness. In other words, a perfect period of waiting. So, for those of us, or those of you, or any of us, who find ourselves with a promise from the Lord, a vision, a prophecy, a statement from heaven that's put a dream or an idea in your heart, I like the fact that 2020 is two perfect cycles of completeness. So I'll, at a minimum, pick up two things that haven't been completed, and possibly many more. Amen? No, I'm preaching already. Slow down. <laughs> I also like what I see in Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse 22. Because if we were to look at the to uh, 2020 perfect vision fulfillment, I know the Jewish calendar has things to say from last October when the Jewish New Year changed over that many are saying it's a year that we are to believe that everything that's been declared, which sounds to me a little like prophetic utterance, that those things which have been declared will be fulfilled. This is the year to believe and expect they're fulfilled. Isn't it interesting that we step over to the are we the Gregorian? No, we're not the Gregorian. The other, Julian calendar, right? We're Julian. Yeah, Gregorian is Russia. So we step over to our calendar, let's say it that way, and it's 2020. Not the Jewish, not the Gregorian, but our calendar. 2020. Perfect, perfect cycles of completion in the name of Jesus. Why don't you say that with me? Say 2020. It means perfect cycles of completion, vision fulfilled, opportunities available and taken in Jesus' name. Amen. So I like uh, also, because, you know, I brought, I brought some aids with me today. This is, you will see that I was much younger on the front of this, but this is a proposal, a vision proposal that we wrote probably, I don't know, 1998 maybe, maybe 2000, somewhere around there. We wrote this. And it says on the front of it, it says, Christian Adventures International, 100 Gospel Tents. Now, just imagine the year that we wrote this. That's more than 20 years ago that we actually put this out. And, we, and so as I go through it, 
I find it interesting that the scripture, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me jump, I will, I'll jump ahead. Let me jump to Habakkuk, because I don't have a lot of time. Habakkuk 2, and verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that reads it. We've been running a long time to see 100 tents fulfilled in Eurasia. 100 gospel tents have been planted all the way from the island of Sakhalin in Russia, which is across from Japan, all the way to the west coast of Europe in Belgium. And we have associate evangelists that have tents that we help them purchase in England as well, or Great Britain, they, they call it United Kingdom. I remember it as Great Britain, you know, <laughs> but in the United Kingdom. Tents all the way across. And I can say today that there are 100 gospel tents. Hallelujah. But you know, that didn't happen alone. And that surely didn't happen overnight because it was just last year that tent number 100 made in our factory in Russia was shipped to the United States of America and donated to the United States of America by Russia. Hallelujah. Now, why am I sharing all of this? When I, wrote up, when I woke up this morning and I was... I'd already prepared this, but the Lord just, you know, he'll give you another moment of emphasis. And I heard these words, though it tarry, wait for it. Amen. Though it tarry, wait for it. Amen. Write the vision and make it plain upon tablets so that he may run, and I would say she may run, <laughs> that reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. I like what one of the Bible commentaries happens to say about this passage. It says, for the reason is given why the oracle is to be committed to writing. It is yet for an appointed time. It was yet for an appointed time. How does vision begin? Vision begins with, a, with an idea, a thought. As we harmonize our hearts with God's heart, he harmonizes his heart with our heart. We harmonize our thoughts with his, his thoughts with ours. We pick up signals from heaven. And that's where vision begins. Vision has that stage where it's being incubated, where we're getting our arms around it. We're discovering what the mind of the Lord is. And then we take that which we perceive as the mind of the Lord and we put it onto paper and we begin to write it out. But that's just the very beginning. Because when we started that 100 tent project, which many of you know and you've been a big part of, <laughs> We thought we were going to buy one tent, but it was T.L. Osborne that challenged us when he preached all over the ex-Soviet territories, buy a tent, just put a light bulb in the tent. You know, just get one light bulb on a, on a little, not a rope, but a little outlet, you know, and just get yourself a loudspeaker, but get a tent, because it rains in Russia and it's cold, get a tent. And we thought, well, we had that thought to buy a tent. So we, call, we got together with Dr. Chiel in Norway. We sat down and we said, Dr. Chiel, we have that same vision. And he looked at us and he said, to buy A10, he said, that's not God. <laughs> We're like, huh? You've told an entire nation of preachers to buy a gospel tent. That's not God. And then he said, how many regions and territories are there of the ex-Soviet 
nations. And we knew there were a little over 100, so I can't, we didn't go fast, we didn't go pray, we didn't go labor before the Lord. We knew we were hearing the mind of Christ, the voice of the Lord. And I would say to you, as you dream the vision that's in your heart, how big can possible be in you? Possible is as big as the people you're willing to allow into your world. Wherever you're at, if it's your home, your ministry, your workplace, your social activities, your community, possible is as big as the people you will allow in your world. So what was apparently (laughs) to us at that time, it still is, but $25,000 to buy one tent, all of a sudden when it became, what, two and a half million dollars, one tent became very simple. And one tent has now turned into 100 tents. Four, why do we write it down? The reason is given why the oracle is to be committed to writing. It is yet for an appointed time. The vision will not be accomplished immediately. That's the commentator. Then it goes on to say, but at the end it shall speak. The verb is literally breathes or pants. In other words, the clause is better rendered and it panteth or it equals to hastens, hasteth towards the end. The prophecy personified yearns for its fulfillment in the end. Isn't that great? See, this is helping me because the Lord is challenging us to pick up some things. I can't get ahead of myself. Some other things, you know, it's find a busy person and he'll give you something else to do. And then it goes on to say this, it will not tarry. And the commentator says this, it will not be behind, it will not be behind, and it will not fail to arrive. I like that. I have confidence that those things which the Lord tells me will not fail to arrive. And then it goes on to say, because in this same passage, it says, write it on tables. Tables, tablets, we might say. Better on the tables, the definite article probably indicates certain well-known tables on which the prophets, now listen, were, uh, were wont to inscribe their utterances for public edification. Write it on the wall, put it on the banner, make it big, bold, and plain. These tables may have been hung in the temple. Calvin tells us, or they may have been held in the marketplace, Martin Luther tells us. Where is your vision? Is it tucked in your heart? Is it put away in a journal, in a logbook, somewhere under your pillow for the day when you will do something about it? You know, the thing about vision is that once you make, it, you make it public, you declare it. See, this is the real, this is your first step of faith to publicly declare what you will do. When we declared we would do 100 tents, my husband almost died. I'm telling you, he had an appendicitis, his appendix ruptured. He almost died. The first two fundraisers we, ha- fundraisers we had failed. The 36 pastors were uh, signed up to come to one of the meetings. Only six showed up. And then my husband landed in the hospital again from a complication from the surgery he had regarding the appendix. And if we live by the wisdom of the world, we would say, 
well, it's not really God who's in it. Because if God was in it, it would be much easier. But the longer you're in ministry and the longer you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you understand that the devil does not lay down for us to just take territory and take souls at will. Now, we don't give him a lot of thought. He is a defeated foe. We keep our eyes focused. We keep our hearts strong. We know in whom we have believed. We know that he is well able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the very power that is at work within us. And according to Romans 8 and verse 11, that that same spirit that raised Christ is the spirit who's dwelling in us. And in Romans 8, if God be for us, who? can be against us. Amen. Amen. So write it on tables. I carried with me today a prophetic word. I can only imagine what happened in those areas. Well, this is teeny tiny type. What happened in those areas of the ex-Soviet Union when the church was underground for over 70 years. Can you imagine? 70 years. Those people were praying underground crying, shedding their blood as martyrs for the sake of their families in the underground church, believing that future generations would get to meet Christ. Hey, what price are we willing to pay to see the lost of America, to see a generation that is dying without the knowledge of Christ, that has lost their identity. They do not know who they are. And you do. Amen. Amen. Prophecies about the great revival in Russia. Hudson Taylor said this, the famous British missionary to China and founder of the China Inland Mission. He had an amazing vision in 1889 of a great national spiritual awakening in Russia that will touch Europe before Christ returns. And these are his words. I saw in this vision a great war that encompasses the world. I saw this war recess and then started again, actually being two wars. We know now World War I, World War II. After this, I saw much unrest and revolts that will affect many nations. And I saw in some places spiritual awakenings. In Russia, I saw there will come a general, all-encompassing national, national spiritual awakening. So great there could never be another like it. Folks, I've lived through that. I know what it is to live through a spiritual awakening. I have stood in halls that were full of thousands of people and seen the Holy Ghost move across that hall and people who do not even know what speaking in tongues is, they began speaking in tongues simultaneously. A national spiritual awakening. I say, folks, it's time for America's national spiritual awakening and I'm signing up to be a part of it. Amen. Say this with me. I'm signing up, Lord. America, America, it's your day, it's your, your hour, awake, awake. in Jesus name. Jesus' name, amen. In the turbulent years preceding the 1917 revolution in Russia, that's called the Bolshevik Revolution, which is the one that put up what we call the Iron Curtain. When Europe was to pour out the abomination of communism on the land, a young aristocratic woman Mother Barbara, abbess of the Russian Church of St. Mary Magdalene on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. She used to visit the Mount of Olives and a holy starets in the Kremlin. 
He prophesied many things about the end times in Europe, England, and in Russia. The bishop foretold that Europe would be laid waste and Germany divided in two. It happened. That England would lose her empire and colonies and be on the verge of collapse but be saved in the last hours through praying women. About Russia, this bishop said, an evil will shortly take Russia, the 1917 communist revolution, and wherever this evil comes from, rivers of blood will flow, and it is not of the Russian soul, but an imposition on the Russian soul from it and financed by the West. This is true. Many people don't understand that the communist revolution that took place in Russia did not actually occur in the heart and the soul of Russia, but it came through the thinkers that came out of Austria, Karl Marx. Uh, Lenin was there. He was sent to go to seminary, but he ended up go, following Marx and those thinkers that were there in Austria in those cafes of Vienna. This is where that communist doctrine came forth that later then, is that me? <laughs> that later then went into Russia. So people want to know, why does Russia have such a phobia against the West? There is a reason. They've seen the West attempt to undermine their great nation. Because in that hour, Russia was arising as one of the, one of the greatest wealths, Peter the, with some of the greatest wealth in the world. The, the doors of trade were open. Russia had already marched all the way to France. A lot of things had happened. And the West truly was afraid of both their wealth and their possibilities. It is a spirit from hell, they call this, this bishop called this a spirit from hell, this communism. But finally, Russia will be free, and from out of Russia, believers will go forth and turn many nations to God. The bishop said, <laughs> from the very earliest centuries, we have had prophecies that rays of gospel light will come from the east. The light over the whole world will be from Russia, who suffered more than anybody, and Russia will be completely reborn. These things were told in the 1800s before they ever happened in the, 19, in the, the late 1900s as we were entering the 21st century. <sighs> Write the vision, make it plain, so that he who reads it may run with it. And that he or that she is you and I. Amen. How do churches grow? How do they expand? How do ministries change the world? As we dare to declare what it is that the Lord has for us to do. And we undertake that as well. It says that he may run that reads it. The prophecy, according to the commentators, is to be inscribed plainly and legibly so that the reader may run his eye quickly through it. Hallelujah. You know, I came out of the business world, the banking industry, and I, uh, I actually went to Stetson. I was in their business program. So you can see that why I might have made something like this. <laughs> and some pastors would look at it and they say, do we have to have so much information? And I say, well, this kind of is the proof that, you know, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> you might want to read it. <laughs> but I'm showing this to you for a reason. Because there are many other things in it as well. Let me find a couple. How did a hundred tenths, and I tell this to our, to our team all the time, Look at this, newsflash, 12 tents now in the field reaching out into all the republics of Eurasia. And here's my declaration, there will be a tent factory. When we had only 12 tents, 
actually the first tent we bought, I stood on the ground and I said, hey, no way I'm paying somebody else to make these. This is nothing but sewing on a large scale. We can do this. But it took a number of years. I think it took maybe 15 years until someone, because I couldn't stop and do this, I needed people. We had business people who wanted to do this, other people who wanted to take the idea. But we knew we needed to keep it in-house so we could give tents where we wanted to give tents and sell tents where we wanted to sell tents. So this tent factory has now produced over 70 tents. Isn't that amazing? wonderful what the Lord has done. But it took a lot of years to get to there. Why am I sharing all this? Oh, because the Lord's challenging me on a number of projects that we have. Look at this. You can't see our facilities, but this, we have a four-story building with a training floor on the top. Actually, it's a five-story building with a tent factory in the bottom. When we bought this, it was a dilapidated, nothing but a bunch of stones, $13,000 piece of property and stones. Now it values it over a million dollars because the market's gone up and it's been built hallelujah through partners and friends of the ministry now you say well are you just trying to promote your ministry no I'm trying to communicate something listen things get done when we put him in writing and we can clarify the vision because it's not just you that must complete what's in your heart but God will send other people as he's sending people right here to this church to complete all that God's placed in its heart to be fulfilled in this hour in Jesus name amen so we go through this, so many, French Africa Project, we finished that, where we were, how many millions of souls we reached across French Africa, and it goes on and on and on. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? But our mission's training in Daytona Beach, here it is. In 2008, when the crisis hit the market, I shut the building project down. I said, I will not go into debt. We shut that puppy down. And <clears throat> about... A little more than a year or so ago, the Lord said, and how long will you be slack to go in and possess the land? Because I had just completely shut it down. That thing will not control our ability to preach the gospel, was my thought. But he rebuked me. How long are you going to be slack? This needs to be completed. So on December 26th of this year, (laughs) when I sat down, I was just talking to the Lord about the next year, and my Bible felt, not my Bible, my electronic reading app for that day was Haggai chapter 1 and chapter 2. If you know what Haggai 1 and 2 are, basically it says, they will say it cannot be rebuilt. But I say, go up to the mountains. No, why would you dwell in palaces, live in palaces, and not take care of my temple? I say, go up to the mountain and hew the wood pillars and begin building. And then it talks about you've got holes in your pockets and this and that and the other because you haven't been able to collect the harvest the way you should. Rebuke. You know? And then it goes on to say, but... Once more I will shake all nations and the glory of this latter house will be greater than the glory of this former house. Hallelujah. So we just started something called Tent Nation. 50 states, 50 teams, 50 tents. Hallelujah. In the United States. And we will do this. But in the meantime, we have another vision. We must complete that building. You see, God entrusts us with his kingdom. 
A tent nation is defined. Why? You gotta read, you gotta write it, you gotta make it plain so that people can get involved. Are you getting something out of this today? This is for you. Now you might say, well, this isn't for me. You're only talking about ministry. That's not true. I have a series out there. It's called Live Your Dream. I wrote this out of my business experience. And I wrote it, and I actually have recordings that go with it. But in here, there's seven steps to help you initiate the vision that's in your heart. It's simple. It's nothing complicated. You need a lot more than this, but it's a good starting point. And then some people say, well, I just don't know where to start. So I got 10 ideas to cultivate your creativity from God. <laughs> Let me give you some ideas. And then the big one that stops so many people is that we are not self-aware. In order to fill the vision and the dream that God has placed in your heart, you must be self-aware. You must have the ability to know yourself. Because we all face challenges in life and we all have areas that we're blind to. Areas of weakness that the Lord, the Holy Ghost is ready to shine his light on so that we can get over that hiccup in life and continue forward and fulfill what he's put in our hearts. Amen? Because he's a good God. I've had, I had a businessman in India make $100,000 to his bottom line in his first year just doing an event business. I've got other testimonies about this series. It, will, it, it helps people. Writing the vision helps everyone. Amen? Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. But, you know, there's something else that we have to be aware of because that scripture, though it tarry, wait. Even though this is 2020 and we actually bought that building about uh, the end of 2001, so we're going on 20 years, so I'm expecting it's going to be filled, <laughs> fulfilled in 2021. We're starting it this year. But in the midst of that, the scripture says wait. Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I tell you what, I, when we lived in Russia, I would get so busy. We'd have so many people staying in our apartment, a little one-room apartment. Our apartment didn't have as much room as, as this section to the wall. They were small. They were tiny apartments. We'd get a call in the middle of the night and have a team of 27 missionaries stranded. They can't stay. International group, they can't stay in the hotel. The hotel just decided to be mean and not let them stay there. And so now they're on our floors everywhere. And, and the Russian pastors, it's just their cultural thing that if you lived in Moscow, well, you were a part of their itinerary, you were stop on their way to the train or the plane. And so often... I would find myself not having any private space or private time. I can remember sitting by the stove in the kitchen with the stove light on. Now, this is before we had electronics and light, you know, phones that had lights and everything was so easily accessible. Sitting by the stove, trying to read, praying and talking to the Lord in the middle of the night. Or getting into the bathtub by myself and I'd have five minutes because everybody else had to use that same bathroom. And I remember I'd slide into the bathtub and I'd say, they that wait upon the Lord will renew themselves. And as I heard Keith Moore teach when I was in Bible college many years ago, he said that wait literally means to relax, to recline, to lean upon the Lord. And you know that demonstration they use in business. Somebody stands behind you, you just fall into their arms. Do you trust? That's how we wait on the Lord. 
we throw ourselves upon him. We throw our lives into him. And we rest in him. Isaiah 40 and 1 says, I'm not, not Isaiah, Psalm 40 and verse 1, a psalm of David, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. It's not just a period of time, it's an attitude. An attitude of expectation of how God is going to intervene and communicate with you. That's why we say, do not despise prophecies. Do not quench the Holy Ghost. Brush them off. Bring them alive. Make them real in your life. Amen. Psalm 130 and verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait and in his word. I put my hope. Lamentations 3 and verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. And then Psalm 118 in the Berean Study Bible in verse 15. Shouts of joy and salvation resound in the tents of the righteous. I in particular like that one. The tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord. Remember that. The right hand of the Lord. The strength. The authority. You are seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus, far above all principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, seated there with God in Christ Jesus, in his authority. And we look out with vision from heaven and expectation of the things. Hey, your vision may to be expand your business, increase your bottom line. Open a new location. Recruit more young people. Do something adding it to your world. Whatever that might be. All of these things are important to the kingdom and important to the Lord. Amen. Never diminish what God has told you to do. And the scripture says comparing ourselves among ourselves we become unwise. Never compare yourself to someone else. You only compare yourself to the road that is before you. You are on a marathon, not a sprint. When I was just recently out at Kenneth Copeland Ministries at EMIC, their Sunday morning church service, Pastor George Pearsons got up to speak, and as he did, he walked out, and he was actually speaking some of these scriptures. We never go to that church service. We just felt impressed we should go, and he walked out with a book that was given an idea that dropped into the heart of Kenneth Copeland in 1973 before they owned anything. Before they had very much of a ministry. And he was flying and the Lord spoke to him and said, Revival capital of the world. And he walked in and he gave it to George. And George wrote it down. And they wrote the vision out in a book very much like this. They published it. And now they've had that book over 50 years. And he said, now are you hearing me? Over 50 years. Can you say that? Over 50 years. I don't care how old you are. Anybody, they have proven that the most success for CEOs begin, begins often in their 60s and in their 70s. Why? They combine wisdom and experience together. They're not just a blip on the map, a blow up, a blow out, and a, an expression of some short-term success, but they have enduring and lasting history of success. So I don't care how old you are. And frankly, I don't care how young you are either, because I remember when I started working with Dr. T.L. Osborne, who'd already been, been in the ministry 50 years, my husband and I, and I was just in the ministry maybe 15 years at that time or less began working with him, and as we began working with him, 
doing that. Um, I would say to Dr. Chia, well, I'm so young and I have to work with all these pastors of all these mega churches and they don't want to hear a word I have to say. Who am I to tell them how they're supposed to do this event? They've got a bigger ministry than mine, a bigger church than mine. They understand things a whole lot better than I do. And Dr. Osborne would always say, Leslie, you can be 75 and not have an inch of wisdom, wisdom in that noggin of yours. So it doesn't matter. It's not only age. Because you can be knocked up by life all along the way and never pick up the lessons along the way. So whether you're young or whether you're old, we abide in the Lord God Almighty and we have his wisdom and wisdom from heaven. Amen. Are you getting something from this? Let me, as we just look at weight, as we just look at weight, I want to remind us of this. I thought, you know, patience. The first word the Lord ever spoke to me in Russian was the word terpenia. Terpenia. <laughs> I was crying out to the Lord. We'd been appointed as the regional directors for missions organization over Eurasia by the previous regional director. And we wanted to leave and go start and do something else. But I, we felt impressed of the Lord to ask Don if he wanted us to do something else. And he said, yes, this work will not survive if you don't remain as the regional directors. Well, there wasn't a single other person in that group of people there that worked within that missions team that wanted Kevin and Leslie McNulty to be the regional directors. Further, at that time, the Lord had given us the vision of 100 tents for Eurasia. And they were totally unimpressed by that idea. In fact, they didn't believe that idea would ever come to fruition, nor was it an idea from the mind of the Lord. Yet, in obedience to the Lord and in obedience to the leaders that were sitting before us, we chose to stay in that place. Why am I saying this? Because I remember after that one meeting with all those missionaries and they stood up. One of them said, it'll never happen. The other one said, we don't believe in you. I mean, it's blah, 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 blah. I just left that meeting. I went home. I walked into my bedroom and I fell over my bed and I said, Lord, when will you give me a team? And I fell over the bed and I heard this word like an audible voice, terpenia. And when I heard it, I thought, I think I know what that word means. It's not a good word. <laughs> I think it's patience. So I, I looked it up, and sure enough, it was patience. Now here, but look at what patience means. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Isn't that amazing? Synonyms for patience, forbearance, long-suffering, Tolerance, sufferance, anybody excited? <laughs> the antonym for the word patience, impatient. You ever met an impatient person? We have a lot of them in the United States of America anymore, especially on our highways, especially in the lines, in the drive-thrus. You just look at them and you think, hey, take a chill pill. You know, your impatience isn't going to make anything move any faster than it's currently moving. Take a, take a chill pill. Miriam, uh, and it's not just, that's my phone. I gave myself a 10-minute warning. Pastor Darrell told me I had to be as close to 10 as possible before or thereafter. <laughs> so how long do these things ring? I forgot to put it on the pulpit. I'm just, there it is. Aha. I learned this from Kenneth Copeland. No. <laughs> Lots of smart people do this. All right, so. Also, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So patience, endurance, endurance being one of those words that I always equate with patience. 
Let's get the definition of endurance, the ability to withstand hardship or adversity, especially the ability to sustain a prolonged stressful effort or activity. A marathon runner's endurance. Okay, everybody. That was raised on the luxurious lily pad of life. I want to tell you, there are no luxurious lily pads. They're not very large. And the minute that you move just to one side, guess what happens? You fall off into the water. <laughs> and so it didn't seem to bother Jesus when he needed to get to the other side of the lake and there was only water before him. He knew he had the ability to walk across that water and get to his destination. You and I, God has given each one of us a dream, an idea, a vision an opportunity to fulfill something that heaven needs to be accomplished in this earth. The question is, in 2020, what will our response be? What will our response be? Endurance is the act or an instance of enduring or suffering of many hardships. Oh, I don't want any hardships. Oh man, I wish I could tell you that evangelism was simple, but I cannot. We've had mafia in the, in the distance. We've had guerrillas, terrorist guerrillas in the distance with machine guns. And they didn't tell us we're there waiting for us just to say the wrong word. When we got done, the pastor said, oh yeah, we knew they were out there. And you didn't tell us. What if we had said something wrong? Well, we knew the spirit of God would lead you. We're like, you could have led us a little bit. <laughs> you know? And endurance, permanence, duration. Permanence, I like that word. Let endurance have its perfect work in you. Hallelujah. So do not throw away your confidence. It holds a great reward. And I'll probably close with this. Oh, even though the faithfulness of God is so important on all of this. Whenever you are feeling forgotten, use these verses to remind yourself the promises of God's faithfulness. If we are faithless, 2 Timothy 2.13, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. At the beginning of this year, we can all stand before the Lord and say, Lord, those areas where I have been unfaithful, I ask you, Father, I repent. I say, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I choose to be faithful. And even when I have been unfaithful, you now are faithful. Psalm 33 and verse 4, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. Psalm 91 and verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness, say that with me, his faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And your faithfulness, Psalms 119 and 90, your faithfulness, O oh God, endures to all generations. Okay, we'll close. <laughs> to all generations. God is faithful, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, and Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Here's the confession of my hope written on paper, surrounded by the word of God, due to be fulfilled, will be fulfilled, because I serve the living, loving, faithful God, and so do you. Amen. So stand up with me, will you, and let's pray. Mm. 
The rewards for diligence, never forget that. If I had time to go into Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, do not throw away your confidence because it holds a great reward. And in the Greek language, that reward literally is even referring to money. That money will find its way to you when you have need of it in what you need in life. I want you just to pray with me if you'd like to. First, I'd like to just make this confession before the Lord. I want us to all, at the beginning of this year, just simply restate our confidence in the Lord. And even our confession of salvation, shall we? Let's just all close our eyes and just repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm so glad that you died for me. You died on that cross. You took my sin. You took my weaknesses. You took even those areas where I've been unfaithful. And I thank you, Father. You took every bit of sickness and disease and you placed it on Jesus. So Jesus, I look to you right now and I say thank you that you paid the price. You stood in my stead, took my place, and right now I see myself redeemed, renewed, refilled, replenished by your faithfulness, your confidence, and your love for me. Lord, I give you this year, 2020, I declare for me, my family, my church, perfect vision, cycles of completeness, opportunities of fulfillment. They are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing it helps keep all these messages free you can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button or you can text 407-955-5345 and remember our pastor's vision is this we grow christians so we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time